If you're new uh, to us, to Mosaic, or haven't been here with us these past few weeks, I'm just going to catch you up on what we've been doing. We're in a series called Resistance. And what we're doing is that we're looking at some of the dominant cultural themes and narratives which can entice us or persuade us and lead us away from God and all that he has for us. We're shaped, discipled by the culture around us or this world around us, and it's squeezing us into its mold. That's what happens day by day, week by week. And for every cultural trend that tries to squeeze us or permeate society around us, we believe that there's a countercultural lifestyle that Jesus calls us to embrace. Romans 12.2 in the J.B. Phillips translation says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. I like that. That's from the, the normal one. You think, do, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's probably what most of us know that verse to be. It's the NIV version. But I like that version. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Because that's what it does. It squeezes us to look like itself. We've looked at a journey from anxiety to peace. We've done secularism to faith. We've looked at tribalism to diversity, cynicism to hope, and today we're asking the question what it would look like to combat a culture of materialism with generosity. So today is materialism to generosity. The Oxford Learner's definition of materialism starts interestingly with Number one, usually disapproving. I hadn't seen that in a dictionary before. Usually disapproving. In other words, it's saying this isn't a good thing. Even the dictionary is saying that. This isn't from the Bible. This is the Oxford Learner's Dictionary. Usually disapproving. So we, and I think generally we know that materialism is somehow not, not right somehow. The belief that money, possessions, and physical comforts are more important than spiritual values the greed and materialism of modern society. That's the definition that we have of materialism. Materialism, consumerism, is a constant squeeze on our hearts. God created us to love people and use things. Materialism leads us to love things and use people. Advertising is everywhere. Products that are marketed to consumers without regard to the fact that they may cause them to become addicted, depressed, or sick as a result of consuming those products. Materialism drives all segments of society. Today we're going to hear Jesus and his words confronting materialism and even his definition of it. And that's in first century Palestine, and spoiler alert, it has not changed much since. So in Luke 12, 16 to 21, uh, or 13, sorry, I don't know how I got 16, we're going to start 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So inheritance, money, well, that is an issue in first century Palestine, and Jesus is confronted with a question. And he had a choice, will he be drawn into this dispute? 
Because rabbis and respected teachers like Jesus were often asked to adjudicate between people. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Here is Jesus' definition of materialism. Not the Oxford Learner Dictionary. Jesus' definition. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus knew his mission. He was not going to be drawn into a dispute. Instead, as he often did when people came for him for a decision, he went to the heart of the question. And you notice how Jesus always does that. He gets to the heart of why the person was asking the question. He sees a man losing his grip on his portion of the inheritance. The inheritance is deceiving this man. This is why Jesus refers to the deceitfulness of riches in Matthew 13, 20, 13:22. This inheritance was lying to the man. This is why money and possessions are so dangerous. It's because they lie to us. They deceive us. What, what are they saying to us? Well, they're saying, if you lose me, if you lose this inheritance, you lose a very large part of your life. I am your life. This is what the inheritance is saying. I am your security for the future. And that's what the inheritance is saying. This is materialism. And Jesus is saying... And he was confronting materialism head on saying, no, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So Jesus turns the question to a teaching moment. And Jesus directly goes for the heart. So he told them a parable, a story to capture their their minds, their attention, to root it in their hearts with a story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Notice, it was the ground of the rich man that yielded an abundant harvest. It's interesting to notice. Pay rise, promotion, uh, a great tax rebate, an inheritance. Nothing wrong with those things. It is what is done with the money with the inheritance, with the tax rate, with the pay rise, with the promotion, that matters to Jesus. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This night, this very night, your life will be demanding of you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This, Jesus said, is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. See, the man in the story decided to tear down his barns and build bigger ones to store all his wealth and rely on that for his future life of ease and comfort. Eat, drink, and be merry. I hadn't realized that's 
I guess it maybe it's from somewhere else, but it's, it's in the Bible. <laughs> I thought it was something out of Robin Hood or something. Eat, drink, and be merry. It's, it's captur- <laughs> capturing that moment of what it means to just put your trust in the here and now. And for this approach to money, God calls him out as a fool. Without mind. A fool means without mind or sheer stupidity. And he lost it all and his very soul. So let's look a little bit about how the fool, as Jesus was determining them, and the wise build their life. Well, the fool are self-reliant. They rely on themselves and they say, I've got this sorted. I've got it covered. I've got my inheritance. I've got my pension plan. I've got everything set for life to come. Their material assets, this is the stuff I need. This is where I'm putting my trust in. Well, what's the opposite of that? It's the wise or the people who rely not on themselves, but they rely on God. He has got this sorted. They depend on what God gives. What God gives me will be enough. See, the person who thinks the money he or she makes is meant mainly to increase their comforts on earth is a fool, Jesus says. Wise people know that all their money Everything they have belongs to God and should be used to show that God and not money is their treasure, their comfort, their joy, and their security. So how do we, how do we use our money, our possessions, what we have to show, to demonstrate that God is our treasure and our security? How are we to be generous? How is being rich towards God worked out? That's what it says in the, in the text. It says, you are not rich towards God. This is how it will be forever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. How, how are we to be rich towards God? That's what Jesus is saying. He doesn't need anything, I, I don't think. He owns everything. What can we possibly give God? How can we be rich to him? When Jesus tells another, it's not like a story, it's more a description of what happens in eternity when we get to glory. And he talks about the, the king as like a judge, separating people into two different groups. He calls them the sheep and the goats. And he describes uh, that, he just talks to um, the sheep, I'm just going to go there, and he said, Come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger invite you in or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go and visit you? And the king replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You did it for me. When we are rich, we are rich towards God when we are rich to others. 
We are generous to God when we are generous to others. The vertical is expressed in the horizontal. Our richness to him is outworked in our love and generosity and care for others. So what does generosity look like? What does it look like? It looks like almost 90,000 pounds being given by Mosaic Church for our special offering to serve the poor and marginalized in our city. Well done, church. Well done. That is extremely, extremely generous. That's what generosity looks like. It looks like providing a whole house, house full of furniture to the horsefalls when their home was flooded. An incredible moment of generosity a few weeks back when the whole church rallied around trying to find sofas, microwaves, a whole house full of equipment to bless the horsefalls who everything was destroyed in their house. Incredible generosity of time, of possessions given freely to other brothers and sisters. Giving to God, rich to him. Generosity looks like £100 given to someone in your mission group who was struggling during COVID. Generosity looks like an evening spent with someone who has had some really bad news when all you want to do is go home and chill and watch Netflix. Generosity looks like paying it forward for someone to be able to go to the weekend away. Adding not just your fee, but clicking the box that says, I would like to pay for someone else to be able to go to the weekend. That's pretty generous. When you get to those boxes, you're like, whoa, okay, uh, yeah. Generosity looks like clicking that pay it forward. Generosity looks like a rotor of meals for the first few weeks after a baby is born. Generosity looks like my sister Caroline and her husband Ian, always generous, wonderfully open with their time and their money. I honor you, sis, if you're here today, and Ian, and so many others around you who are just so generous with their time and their hearts. Generous with our finances, yes, but also generosity is much more than that. It's generous, being generous with our time. It's being generous with our possessions, our words, being generous with our prayers, generous with our words of encouragement to people. Today I want to, um, I know this is a little bit cheesy, but I'm going to look at the three P's of generosity. I don't know why P, it was just I had two, and then I realized they were both P. And I thought, okay, I'll do a classic preacher moment and hopefully help you to remember. I mean, mostly you don't remember them, but I'm hoping that you might remember these, all right? So the three Ps of generosity, Mosaic Church, are this. Posture, plan, and perspective. How are we doing? Good. 15 minutes. It's good. Doing all right. It's good. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> don't stop now. Posture. Generosity is an attitude. Generosity is a stance. Generosity is a posture of the heart. And it's one that we can cultivate. It becomes our, a characteristic of who we are. It's uh, like our character is shaped to be more generous. I, I guess it's a bit like a muscle. Generosity can be strengthened. It can be grown. It can be cultivated. I, I occasionally go into McDonald's. And, uh, and I've heard 
when I, when I, well, well, yeah, when people go into McDonald's, that there is a, a new touchscreen ordering system, and when you go there, you click the button and say skip login because you never remember your McDonald's login, um, or you might do, but you get your phone, and then you start ordering. So you go to the screen, you push your button, Big Mac meal, yes, that one. Scroll up, large fries, yes, Coke zero. Do you want to make a donation to the Ronald McDonald's house charity? Skip, next, end of order, check out, yes. How many can relate to this? Yep, or somewhere that, maybe not McDonald's, because I'm sure you don't go to that fast food uh, establishment, the Scottish restaurant, as I call it. No, there are other places where maybe the gratuity well, gratuity, do you, yeah, that's what it says. It's a strange word, gratuity. I think it's, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Gratuity, where you, you get, the, you get the, the, the card reader, and then they put it there, they're looking there, and they, it says, do you want to add a gratuity? You're like, no. <laughs> they are hoping that the waitress or waiter did not see the amount and that you actually didn't add anything to it. Imagine if we begin to change our posture that whenever we have something like that, we click, yes, I would like to donate. Now, I'm not asking us to donate our life away. It's normally, do you want to round up three pence to six pounds 80? Or do you want to add 10p? Or would you like to add 20p? 10p, 20p? Yeah, we can do that. How about every time it comes up, we hit, yes, I'm going to donate to Ronald McDonald House Charity. Yes, I don't know much about it, but I'm sure since it's every McDonald's all over the world, it will probably legitimately going to what they said is. Generosity. Imagine if our posture to those moments was always to be generous. Another test. I call it the orange juice generosity test. Somebody goes round to your house. And you offer them a drink. And you say, oh, great, would you like a drink? Yeah, we've got tea, coffee, wine, beer, um, orange juice, water, anything like that. And they say, yeah, I'd like some orange juice, please. Like, oh, yeah. inside you're like, oh, yeah, that's the expensive one. That's the small one, expensive one, yeah. So you choose, you choose the uh, small glass, big glass, small glass. There we are. And then, not only do you choose the small glass, but you also don't fill it up to the top. There we are. Your orange juice. Because, you know, you've got to keep some left. I mean, you can't just give away all your orange juice. I mean, somehow this orange liquid is more precious than, 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 than liquid oil. Why, why do we do that? I'm... I'm I'm actually divulging, being very... Uh, <laughs> you probably are thinking, what is he on about? I, what, what? For me, I remember doing that, and it was like just a window into the posture of my heart that's not generous. That's, I'm just trying to keep, you know, the orange. <laughs> what about breakfast tomorrow morning? Imagine if instead of choosing the small glass and doing a half-through, you say, orange juice, yes. Big glass, right up to the top. There we are. How about that? Now, generosity, you see, isn't always about... Yes, Rich, thank you. <laughs> generosity isn't always about the amount, 
or how expensive it is. It's the, the attitude, the, 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 the opportunity to be generous and to bless. Even if it's something as simple as orange, orange juice, it's a posture of the heart that can spread into every area. I use that silly example because those are the moments and the places where our hearts are revealed and where God wants to change us and, and shift that squeezing to be materialistic and holding on to things to be generous and open-handed and being a blessing. Amen? What if our posture, our default position, was to give the big glass full to the top of orange juice? Amen? Secondly, plan. Plan to be generous. Now, planning and generosity don't seem to fit together. Isn't generosity meant to be spontaneous? Isn't it meant to just, oh, comes out, I've just given them a, a hundred pounds. Oh, well, how did I do that? Well, I think that is wonderful, and it's in keeping with my first point, which says develop a posture. So gradually, that is what we want, our kind of automatic response to be one of generosity and of, of blessing rather than of, of holding back and, and keeping to ourselves. But also, we can be increasing... Yeah, sorry, I said that. We can be and it will increase you as we cultivate positive generosity. But having a plan to be generous enables us to act generously when the moment comes. So I have an illustration for this. Uh, Julie and I, um, Julie has, is great at budgeting. She is brilliant. She holds us to our decided budget items very good. She, when I spend something out of budget, she was like, so where's, where's that going to come from? Which budget is coming from? Like, uh, my birthday money? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my default position. It's like, yeah, I thought of that. I'm going to sacrifice my birthday present for that. It's like, oh. Every time, so my birthday presents, needless to say, are often quite small. Anyway, um, we have a budget item called blessing money. That's the title in the Excel spreadsheet. And every month, we have some money set aside just to be able to bless people, to be generous. Um, we can buy a meal or uh, buy a coffee for someone, and uh, we can give to those in need. It changes every month. Some months, we don't spend it, and then we've got double the next month, so we can do something. It's just... It's just a plan. It's, a, it's a, a planned budget. That means when the moment arrives, we can be generous. So that is helpful for us. It, it helps to start. It's like deciding before the, you know, every month, set aside some of your money that you're going to give to the church. It's that, right, I'm deciding to do this. I'm going to be generous towards God. And this, I'm going to be a blessing to people. And I've got the means to be able to do that. It's not loads but it's just a way that we can be a blessing. It's planned generosity. So plan ahead. Decide what you are going to do in advance. So maybe, like I said, when you've got a tip, when that thing comes around, plan ahead and say, when that little card reader comes around next time, I am going to give 10%, or actually, I'm going to give a little bit more than 10%. Oh, some of you are like, what? Yeah, it's a challenge. Are we going to be generous, or are we going to be like, no, thank you, great. You did a great job, but I'm just, you know, thank you, thank you. Good. All right. Or maybe you're deciding what to give at the special offering. You're a couple here. I know not all of you are couples, married couples, but some of you decide on, let's, we're going to pray about what we're going to give. And one person typically has this amount, larger amount, another person has a lesser amount. How about we plan? When that happens, 
we're going to give the bigger amount. How about that? Or, no, let's just go 50-50. How about you go for the big amount? It's those planning, those moments where you can decide beforehand, if we get two different amounts, we're going to give the bigger one. How about that? That's good, isn't it? Plan ahead. Lastly, P3. No, not P3. And uh, I've actually, um, on my notes, missing this page, so I'm going to resort to the um, computerized version. Um, perspective. In the school of philosophy, materialism, there's another materialism. So there's the materialism that we had from the Oxford uh, Shorter Dictionary, Learner's Dictionary, that says it is the, you know, it's the, it's the over-emphasis on things that you are, that, that, what did it say? Can, let me get back to it. Let me get back to it. Yes. The belief that money, possessions, and physical comforts are more important than spiritual values. Well, there's another materialism in the school of philosophy. And this says, some of you might know this, this says that it is the belief that only material things exist. Now, that's very simplified, and I don't want to put up a straw man and kind of knock it down like it's nothing. I'm sure there's a lot of thought and a lot of clever people behind this. But essentially, it's saying that the only things that are real and exist are things you can touch that are real, that are physical. Being generous is all about perspective. Being generous is all about our perspective as people who know that the material is not all there is. Being generous is all about knowing that there is an eternity that awaits us. Being generous is all about the perspective that God is able to provide all that we need and ask for. Being generous is based on the perspective that God provides, that God is our security, that God is our hope, that ultimately all things will be wrapped up and then our life will be swallowed up in life. It's one of my favorite, favorite passages, favorite verses, that one day our life, this life that we know, the things that we can touch and see, will be swallowed up with real life, with the life that we hope for, that we long for, that we've tasted a little bit, but then we'll be caught up in glory. And all that we've read and all that we've studied and the verses that you've told yourselves will be fulfilled. God keeps his promises, hallelujah. That eternal perspective is what shifts the balance towards generosity and away from materialism. It is the truth that God is real, that God is the source of all things, that everything that we see in touch, all that we have is from him and for him. It is all for his glory. And as we focus on that, as we lift our eyes to the king, to the one who will judge the living and the dead, as we lift our eyes to him when he promised to supply all that we need, we are able to give. Because rather than having to rely on ourselves for the future, we are trusting God to provide everything that we need. Hallelujah. We have a verse. I've lost my notes, so we have a verse. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom that you cannot see. The kingdom that you cannot touch. It is immaterial, but it is real. The kingdom that is among us. The kingdom that we will receive when we get to glory, the now and the not yet. Fear not. Don't be afraid, Mosaic Church. Your Father has been pleased to give you 
the kingdom, which, by the way, is an everlasting kingdom that will not corrupt or corrode or be destroyed. Sell your possessions then. In light of that, there's the eternal perspective. There's the perspective that we need. And give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. The money that, and the riches that we send in advance or on to heaven, it's, it, it is an investment like we invest now. It's just we're investing in the life to come. We don't know quite what that looks like. I don't think any theologian will be able to say exactly what that means. But we know that God is, in, it is saying to us, store up for yourselves in that life. Store up for yourselves purses that will not wear out. And treasure in heaven, the interest rates, well now at the moment they're going up, but they won't go down. They'll keep increasing. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is our treasure. Jesus is our treasure and he is our indescribable gift. And Mosaic Church, as we face materialism, life, the abundance of possessions that Jesus so aptly and helpfully defined for us, we need to remember that we are people who are not of this world. We are traveling through. We are, the NIV says, aliens and strangers just passing through. All the investments, everything on here will be left. The money, the pension programs that you never get to use, maybe. But we are looking to our reward in heaven, whatever that may be. But I know if Jesus says it, it's going to be good. We don't know what that means fully, but we know that he is saying, don't store up for yourselves treasure here, but send it on ahead. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because that is where you are spending eternity, brothers and sisters. Eternity awaits you with your treasure, Jesus. I'm going to finish with the words of Jim Elliot. And he was a missionary who gave his life reaching the tribe in South America with the gospel of Jesus. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool. Remember, Jesus called people fools who did the opposite who give what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let's stand together. The band want to come out? That'd be great. I think it's just a moment um, to come before this eternal king and to hopefully catch a glimpse of eternity. I don't mean necessarily visually a vision. I mean in our hearts, the eyes of the heart that see beyond this room, what you can touch, the floor you're standing on, the chair. And a moment just to center yourself, your heart, your soul, in the reality that God has given you the kingdom.
that God has rescued you, that God has taken you from a place where you were a fool, where you were lost, and he has lifted you up and placed you on a rock. He has wrapped you in his robes of righteousness, and he has said, my son, my daughter, do not be afraid, for I am giving you the kingdom, and all that you need, everything that you've ever longed for, your heart's deepest desires are found in me. And not only are they found in me now, but they will always be found in me. For I will be the Alpha and the Omega forever and ever. I am the bright morning star. I am the Lamb who was slain. I am the Father who sits on the throne. I am surrounded by angels and archangels and a chorus of multitudes praising my name and you will be with me one day mosaic church here right now in this very real building let us lift our eyes to the hope and the true reality of eternity of god himself And let us place our hope and our trust in him. And let us allow his spirit to cause generosity to overflow in our hearts towards others. Because we can. Because you will provide all that we need to be generous on every occasion. You promise it in your word. So Lord, we lift our eyes to you. And we pray as we worship speak to us challenge us change us bring us to a revelation a perspective 